Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Well, hey, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn this morning to Romans chapter 8. We are in a teaching series. This is week two on the Holy Spirit. And so as we start off this morning, I'm going to do something with us that uh, I used to do with teenagers quite a bit when I was doing youth ministry. We're going to play a little game together this morning, all right? So everybody got your your game time face ready to go. We're going to do something called Would You Rather? And I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and you're just going to raise your hand for whichever one you would rather have to be the thing for you, okay? So here's how it's going to work. I'm going to say, would you rather have ice cream or broccoli? Let's see the ice cream hands in the room? Broccoli hands. Oh, wow. There's a few of you. Some of the, there's doors right over here that you can leave from. Um, wow, more broccoli people than I thought for over ice cream. Okay, though, would you rather be sick or healthy? Let's see the sick hands. You'd rather be sick? Good. Uh, healthy? Anybody healthy? Okay, thanks. That's, that one's good. I'm glad we got the healthy part there. Uh, would you rather have lots of friends or be completely friendless? Lots of friends. Raise your hand. Uh, completely friendless. You want nobody, uh, the introverts in the room. Some of you are like, I actually would like that one, but I'm not raising my hand to show it. Uh, that one would work out for me. Okay. Uh, so, all right. Uh, and here's the last one. Would you rather be dead or alive? Let's see the dead. Uh, alive. Let's see. Alive. Okay. All right. That one is a tricky one as Christians, right? Because as Paul kind of said in scripture, is like, it's better for me to be away from you and with the Lord, uh, but I'm going to remain here with you because I know that there's fruitful work to be done, but I want to be in heaven with God. And so there's that tension and pull. But I think when we're talking about this idea of life over death, uh, we think about and we would recognize that life is important. Life is valuable. And so when we think about this, one of the things that's interesting in our world is that we don't just have physical life. We understand as Christians that there's also a certain thing called spiritual life, that we have this life in Christ, that we come alive spiritually when we invite Christ into our lives. The issue for a lot of people in our world is that they are walking around spiritually dead and they don't even know it. They don't realize it. That they're physically alive, but spiritually there's nothing going on. There's no connection between them and God, right? And so spiritually they're living in this state of death. And so we want to be people who recognize what real genuine life looks like. And this morning, the passage that we're going to look at in Romans 8 addresses one of the roles that the Holy Spirit has. The Holy Spirit brings life, not just physical life, but spiritual life. The Holy Spirit brings spiritual life. And so when you think about the Holy Spirit, and as we're in this series, we're going to get to know the Holy Spirit better, but we also want to know how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's going to be super important for us to think about. But when you think about the Holy Spirit, you might think about some things that he takes on as characteristics or even has nicknames that we would give to him or think about him as. And so in some of the ways that the Spirit acts, when the Spirit moves, Scripture calls him the Spirit of Wisdom or the spirit of truth, the spirit of grace, the spirit of prophecy, the spirit of holiness, the spirit of justice, the spirit of glory, right? And so in all of these names for the Holy Spirit, we find out more things that he brings into our lives, that he brings into the world, that he accomplishes. And as we get to know the Holy Spirit, we start to see how he acts and behaves in this way to bring God's presence into the world. So we go the spirit of wisdom. He brings wisdom to us. The spirit of grace. He invites and and helps us receive grace from God. 
the spirit of justice, that he helps us know how to move to be just toward people and to act like God would toward people in love, right? And so all of these different things that we see the Holy Spirit does in our life and accomplishes. But the one that we're going to look at today in the first note on your outline, if you're taking notes, is that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of life, like he's the spirit of life, that he brings life to us. And so when we think about what we're going to study this morning in Romans chapter 8, we actually need to go back a little bit in Romans chapter 7 and just at least understand what Paul's writing about so we know how he's talking about the spirit when it gets to Romans chapter 8. So Romans chapter 7 is one of the more famous kind of passages in the New Testament where Paul is wrestling with these ideas and he keeps going back and forth and saying, you know, the things that I want to do in my life, I don't find myself doing those things. And the things that I, I want to do for Christ in my life, I don't find myself doing those things. There's this wrestling match, this dichotomy of going, the things that I shouldn't do, I'm, I'm typically drawn to those things. And the things that I want to do or should want to do in Christ, I typically am not drawn to those things. And so my spirit of Christ in me wants to do right, wants to do good, but the law that I see at work in me is constantly pulling me to sin and to death. And so by the time you get to the end of that passage in Romans chapter 7, Paul gets to a point where he makes a conclusion and then he asks a question. And so here's what you see in verse 24. He says, what a wretched man I am. Like that's his conclusion. In this wrestling match of life, the good that I want to do, I don't do those things. The good that I should do, I don't find myself doing that things. How wretched am I? Like I'm terrible. I'm in this place of just being tormented because I can't do what I, I should do. And I always find myself doing the things that I shouldn't do. And so he goes, what a wretched man I am. Then he asks this question, who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death? Right? And thankfully, Paul knows the answer to that question. He doesn't leave us hanging in that tension of going, oh my gosh, I'm constantly doing the wrong. I can't seem to do the right. I'm so wretched. Who's going to save me and be like, I, I don't know. I get, maybe there's an answer out there. Maybe there's not. Paul doesn't end on that cliffhanger. He answers his question in verse 25. He says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Like Paul goes, the answer to the question in my wretchedness and who's going to save me from this body of death is that it is Jesus. He is the gift that God sent to this world to save me from my sins. And so Paul's going to be talking about these things. And when we get to Romans 8, chapter 1, that's where we pick up and he gives us some really good news. And so here's what he says in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Right, and this is so powerful, and I don't want you to miss it. For those who have placed your faith in Jesus, he goes, there is no condemnation for you. You might have this perception or this idea, this mentality that God is constantly sitting in a place of judgment and just waiting to throw lightning bolts at you every time you mess up and he can't wait to just make your life miserable because you fail and you sin and Paul goes quite the opposite is true when you come into faith in Christ now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ and it's because the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death Right, and so Paul gives us this incredible news that the blood of Jesus covers all of our sins, that there's no condemnation for us. 
You might even think back to some of the, uh, one of the most famous Bible verses, maybe the most famous Bible verse in all of Scripture. What? John 3, 16. Right? What's it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Like we know that one backward and forward. Do you know what the next verse says? John 3, 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Like God's intention is not to bring condemnation and judgment. God's intention is to bring salvation. You are not condemned in the eyes of God because of your sin if you've invited Christ into your life to be your savior. He sees Christ in you instead of your sinfulness. You're condemned before God when you reject Jesus and you choose to condemn yourself because you reject his gift. That's the only place that God will stand in judgment over you is your rejection of his son, Jesus. But for those of us who are in Christ, we have this faith in Jesus that gives us life. There's no condemnation for us. Now I want us to go back and see Romans chapter 8. We're going to read the first 11 verses, and we're going to see the role that the Holy Spirit plays in salvation and how he helps us to follow after Jesus. So here's what I want us to do. Read Romans chapter 8, the first 11 verses. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the spirit, uh, excuse me, on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the Spirit cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who, was, who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Now, something just started playing behind me. There we go. I don't know how that iPad came to life just a minute ago, and you might not have been able to hear it. But Phil Wickham was singing behind me over here. So that's always encouraging. Um, well, here's what I want you to know. Romans 8 is, is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And uh, it's one that I've, I've studied a lot. It's one that I've taught in multiple different, uh, different locations and places. And uh, I just love it. I love the imagery that we get, especially the deeper that you get into Romans chapter 8, the way that uh, the, the Spirit is talked about and the things that come into our lives and, and bringing us uh, closer to Christ, knowing that there's no separation from Christ. Uh, but as we were putting this teaching series together, and I was sitting with my sermon team a few weeks ago, and we were talking 
talking about, hey, where do we go with this and how do we talk about the Holy Spirit in the life of our church and in our personal lives? And, and we just kept coming back and it seemed like every conversation we were having, somebody would say, well, hey, this passage in Romans chapter 8 says this about the Spirit. And then we'd talk a little bit more and somebody would go, well, this passage says this about the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8. And I have to tell you, I was a little bit embarrassed because of the amount of times that I've read this and how much I love this passage and how little I really recognized the work of the Holy Spirit in this passage. Uh, that I was like, man, everything that I do is always looking at Christ in this, and I've missed the fact that the Holy Spirit is so deeply at work in this passage. Did you know that 19 times in Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit is referenced? Like Paul is just going to continually come back to the work of the Spirit, the role of the Spirit in helping us understand how to live in Christ. And so when we think about this, I, I really believe this, that we miss the Holy Spirit sometimes because we're looking for Jesus so intently. But here's what I would say about that. I think on some level, the Holy Spirit is just fine with that. Like the Holy Spirit is sometimes known by Christians as the shy member of the Trinity, like we have a lot of the Father, we have a lot of the Son, we have a little bit of the Holy Spirit, and we're not quite sure what to do with Him, and we don't know how to re engage with Him, and He's kind of just held back, and He's pointing to Jesus, pointing to Jesus, pointing to Jesus, never making much of Himself. And honestly, that's the role of the Spirit, that when the Father and the Son sent the Spirit into our world, that He is constantly working to point people to Jesus, to follow Him, to be like Him, to be made in His image. And so the Holy Spirit is constantly going to be going, look at Jesus, do this like Jesus, let me help shape you to be like Jesus. And so when we think about this, it's probably okay on some level that we sometimes overlook him, but it's not okay that we ignore what he's doing, right? And so what we need to really understand is that while the Holy Spirit is pointing us to Jesus, that without his work in our lives and without our knowledge and understanding of him in our lives, we're not going to be able to fully get to be like Christ in the way that the Holy Spirit wants us to be. And so Paul's going to keep pointing us back to the Holy Spirit. And as we read this passage, we need to understand how to relate to him. So here's what we want to see. The first thing that Romans 8 is going to tell us is that the Spirit brings life, but sin brings death. Like the Spirit brings life, sin brings death. And so here's what we get in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Again, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to to the Spirit, right? So the law, Paul says, the law couldn't bring life. And the reason for that is it was weakened by our flesh. It's not that the law is bad. In fact, in Romans chapter 7, Paul's going to say the law is actually good. There's nothing wrong with the law. The law was given by God. We can't point at the law and go, well, the law was terrible. Nobody could keep it because the law is so bad. God goes, no, 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 that's not true at all. The law is good. It's our sinfulness and our weakened flesh that was enabled to keep the, the law that made it so bad. Because all the law does is point us to condemnation. Because we can't keep it, we're condemned by it. And so Paul even says, hey, look, the law's not bad. I wouldn't have even known what some of the sinful things that I do in my life was if it wasn't for the law pointing it out. 
And Paul's going to say in Romans chapter 7, hey, the, the things that when the Bible says or when the law says you shouldn't covet, I would have known what covetousness was if the law had said don't do that. Because in my sinful nature, I'm just going to be drawn to those kind of things. But the law is going to point me back to Christ and say, that's wrong. Here's the heart of God for you. Don't do that. But because I'm broken in my sin, I can't keep the law. And so it's weakened in my flesh. So what does God do? God sends Jesus. And Jesus in flesh lived out the righteous requirement of the law so that it might be met in us, not by us, but in us. So that when Christ comes into our life, we receive the power to live for his glory. And so the law couldn't bring this life, but the spirit of God, when he comes into our life, he brings us newness and freshness of life in Christ. And so here's what we see. Uh, everywhere sin exists, death follows, right? And so here's the next blank on your outline. The Spirit of God has the power to break us free from the law of sin and death and then to keep us free from it. And that's so powerful for us. And I don't want you to miss this this morning we think about these ideas, that when the Spirit sets us free from sin and death, He has the power to keep us free from it. That we're not set free for a moment and then on our own we get dragged back in to this death grip that sin has. That we're locked up and bound by it again. That we don't become slaves again to sin. When the freedom of Christ comes into your life through the power of the Holy Spirit, he sets you free forever. There is now therefore no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. You're not condemned. You're not a slave to sin. You're a slave to Christ. You're freed by Christ. And so when we think about all of these things, Paul's going to set these two things beside each other, the flesh and the spirit. And then he's going to draw some pretty powerful conclusions. So I want us to keep moving on. Check out verse 5, Romans chapter 8, verse 5. He says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God, right? So to live according to the flesh simply means that our minds are set on everything that our bodies crave, that we give in to our base desires and we go, if my body wants it, if my mind wants it, if my heart wants it, I'm going to go and get that thing. That if we're governed by our sinful nature, we are going to pursue everything that our body wants. And so the philosophy becomes, if it feels good, do it. Like that's being motivated and driven by, by the flesh. If it feels good to me, if it seems right to me, go and do it. Does it match up with what God says? Doesn't matter. It feels good, I'm going to do it. It brings me joy, I'm going to do it. What if God says it's wrong? Doesn't matter. I'm going to do it. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, right? Like we live in this hostility where we go, God, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. I don't care what your word is. I don't care how you've designed life to be. I'm going to go in my own direction and I'm going to do what I want to do. My flesh is hostile to God. Right, and so, so Paul is holding these things up, and he goes, if you really want to understand this, are we going to live according to the flesh, or are we going to live according to the Spirit? You really need to go to Galatians chapter 5. 
And you need to see some of the things that Paul writes in Galatians 5. Because he's going to hold these two things side by side again. Let's talk about the flesh, let's talk about the spirit, and let's really figure out which one we want to be in. Let's really figure out which one we want to abide by. So here's what we see in Galatians chapter 5, starting verse 16. Paul says, So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what's contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do uh, so that you are not to do whatever you want but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law the acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality impurity and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft by the way that word witchcraft is uh, pharmica in the greek it really could could mean um, like we got our word for pharmaceuticals or for pharmacology there uh, it really maybe more than witchcraft where we think about harry potter or something like that it's probably more like abuse of drugs overuse of drugs uh, and so that's probably what he's uh, really getting around to at that then he says the other things that are part of the the flesh are hatred and discord and jealousy and fits of rage and selfish ambition dissension factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right? And so when you get into verse 19, you see Paul say that the acts of the flesh are obvious. Right? The word that we might use there is gratification. When I gratify the flesh, it's obvious. And here's what comes out of that. All these things, without the filter of the Holy Spirit, will gratify our sinful nature and will do what feels good to us every single time. Even if it goes against God, and even if it harms our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. So it goes, if your mind is going to be governed by the flesh, you're going to pursue these things. And the acts of the flesh are obvious. right? That you're going to move into these realms and you're going to live here. You're going to pursue these things. They're going to be acted out in your life consistently, continually. All right, so then when we get to the acts of the Spirit, he goes, the acts of the flesh lead to death, but the acts of the Spirit or the the fruit of the Spirit is different. Look at uh, verses 22 through 26. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So I want you to catch this. In the first list, we have these things that are the acts of the flesh, the things that we just do when we're governed in our mind to pursue what we want. The thing, excuse me, the things that we produce in our life, the acts of the flesh. Then he's going to say, but the fruit of the Spirit are these other things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So the fruit of the Spirit, those are things that I can't produce in my life naturally. Those are born in me and birthed in me by the Spirit of God. It's his fruit that he gives to me. He gives me the ability to love, to have joy, to be at peace, to live in patience, to have kindness. Like my natural inclination is not to do those things. He births those things in me. So it's his fruit that's at work in my life. And then Paul says, as he kind of closes this back, when you go back to Romans chapter 8, he says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life 
and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So when you take inventory of your life, are you being guided by your sinful desires in your flesh, or are you being guided by the Spirit of God at work in you? And when I think about this, I know that we've talked about this before, but this bears repeating that it all begins in your mind. Like your mind is the battlefield that allows us to really decide, are we going to pursue these sinful acts or are we going to say no to that and say yes to the Spirit, to say yes to Christ and to pursue other better things? So what you're feeding your mind is probably going to determine how you engage with the Spirit or engage with the flesh. So when you think about that, just a few questions as we start to close up our time together this morning. When we think about the way that we're living in this life, in Galatians 5 earlier, we said Paul instructed us to walk by the Spirit or to stay in step with the Spirit. So ask yourself just some simple questions. And these might even be a little too, uh, too simple, but just to get down to some root things. Uh, is the music that you listen to in step with the Spirit? Are the podcasts that you listen to in step with the Spirit? Are the movies that you watch in step with the Spirit? And man, when I wrote that one this week, I was like, oh, that's a hard one for me, right? Because there's some things that I just love to watch, but I don't know that I would always say the Spirit of God is really pleased with me watching that, right? What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you hearing? Do the websites that you visit keep you in step with the Spirit? Are your friendships keeping you in step with the Spirit? So here's the question that you should ask yourself regularly. And if you're taking notes this morning, just write this down because I think it's important. Am I being motivated by my impulses? or by my desire to obey the Holy Spirit of God? Am I really just somebody who's driven by impulse, do what feels good and go for it? If it's good for you, it's good, no matter what God says. Am I walking away from God, or am I in step with the Holy Spirit that if he convicts me and says, this is wrong, you need to go this way, then I'm willing to stay in step with him in order to walk in his peace. Because the Spirit, when I walk in step with Him, He brings life. But the other thing that He does is He brings peace. He's the Spirit of life and peace. And some of us this morning, we don't have peace with God because we're not staying in step with the Spirit of God. That we don't have this relationship that gives us freedom and life and peace because we're continually living in this place that says, I'm just going to gratify my desires and my selfish whims and everything that feels good to me, and I'm just going to go for it. Who cares what God says? And Paul's going to point out and say, you can do that, but you need to know where it lands. It ends up in death. Not just physical death, but spiritual death. You can be hostile to God if you want. But you need to know where it's going to land you. It's going to land you in a place of death and destruction and eternal separation from the God who loves you, who doesn't desire to condemn you. In fact, he so strongly loves you that he sent his son to be a sin offering for you so that you would receive him and have life in him. That he alone can bring you life and peace and wake up inside of you the part of your soul that's dead so that you have the abundance of life that Jesus promised. What did Jesus say? He said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. Like, I want you to know what life really looks like. So when we think about walking with Christ, the final thoughts this morning 
If you're a follower of Jesus, some really good news for you that comes out of verses 9 through 11. Paul writes and says, You, however, you're not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is still subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Right? And so when Paul writes about this, he goes, listen, I want you to understand and know that the same Spirit who, got, who brought Jesus back from the grave is the Spirit that lives inside of you. He brings you life. And so when you think about your life, you're going to go, hey, because of sin, death is still certain. Even if you invite Christ into your life, death is still a certainty. It's a one-for-one one deal. Every single person who has lived on planet Earth has died. Right? And so when you go, when that happens, you need to understand that your physical death is not the end. That the same spirit who brought Christ back to life will bring you to life. And it'll be an eternal life. And so when we put our, trace, our trust in God, that's what we get in exchange for the sinful nature. So here's the last two questions that I want to ask you this morning as you're thinking about what it means to walk in step with the Spirit and have a relationship with Him. Because again, this whole thing is not about just going, hey, we have more information about who the Holy Spirit is, but do I have a relationship with Him? Do I know how to have a fellowship with Him? Can I stay in step with Him? Can I walk in this relationship? So a couple of questions for you to ask yourself this week. What attachments do I have to things that bring death when the Spirit wants to bring me freedom and life? Right, so ask the Spirit of God, to lead you away from sin and into freedom. Stop trying to fight sin in your own power. And I know that I get there so many times where I'm just like, oh, I don't want to ever do that again. I'm going to put boundaries in my life. I'm going to put things around this thing, this area of sin for me so that I don't ever go back there again. And I am going to fight it. And it's just going to be my ability to withstand sin. I'm going to say no to flesh. I'm going to say no to my impulses. I'm going to say no to that because I'm so great at doing that. And I might walk in freedom in that for a little while, but eventually my flesh is going to get weak and I'm going to be enticed back to that same sin again. But when the Spirit of God is alive in me and I feel that tension and that pull and that draw back to sin and I can go, Holy Spirit, I know right now that I'm so desiring of that thing. I'm so being drawn to that action. I'm so being moved to want that Will you empower me to stand firm against it and not go there, but to walk in step with you? So what is it in your life? What attachment do you have to things that bring death when the Spirit wants to bring freedom and life? And then here's number two. Can you honestly say that your mind is full of life and peace? And where can dependence on the Holy Spirit bring you peace this week? Like some of you are just wrestling all the time. and You're going, I just don't have peace. I don't have peace. I don't have peace. And you need to lean into the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 6 again tells us that the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. He wants to bring that to you. So can you say that your mind is full of peace? If not, maybe a couple of things are happening there. Number one, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, so your mind is constantly hostile to him. Number two, you're just in a place where you're going, hey, I don't have peace in this specific area because I haven't surrendered that fully to the Holy Spirit. 
And this week I need to start working on doing that and giving him control and letting him guide me and say, this is the step. This is the path. I want you to move here. And as you surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, he brings you life and he brings you peace. It's that abundant life that Christ has for you. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.